Amen. Well, you all can go ahead and grab a seat. Again, it's great to be together today. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online during this season. Thank you for tuning in with us. My name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't got the opportunity to meet you, we know there's a lot of folks that are checking us out for some of the first times during this season. And uh, if there was ever a year where it was time for Christmas and we needed this season to be here, I think that it would be this year. And so I hope that you're excited as we are to launch into this Christmas season, to this Christmas series. We talked about this idea of simple Christmas. You know, it's, it's interesting here at H2O, we usually uh, like to be as upfront as possible about both our strengths and our weaknesses. And sometimes here at H2O, we're like super on top of things and really prepared. And other times we're not as much. But it's interesting this year, uh, we planned out our whole year, all of 2020, back in January of 2020. And so in January, before we knew all of the complexity that would happen throughout this year, we decided that our Christmas series was going to be called A Simple Christmas. And I think that's pretty fitting. Maybe the Lord knew that we would need it this time of year to just kind of strip away everything that's going on and get to the heart of what Christmas is really all about. So we are excited to dive into this series uh, this, this month of December. I want to show you a quick picture from one of my first Christmases with my wife. This is uh, a picture of me and my wife. This is our first Christmas together. We were actually just dating in this picture. You can tell it was a number of years ago because of my hairdo, the fact that I had hair. And, uh, and I, I think back to that time and it was just, you know, so cool. We were kind of infatuated with each other. You can tell that we were in love and we still are, obviously. I'm sure she still gets that same look when she sees me now, uh, years later. And uh, what you can't see in that picture is that I was actually with her family for one of the first times and I was about to, just a few hours after that picture was taken, sit down with her mom and stepdad and ask them for Sarah's hand in marriage and kind of share that we wanted to, to get engaged and move on with the life together. And I think back to that, that first Christmas, and I think uh, just about things being simple, you know? It was before we had minivans and kids and, and houses, and there's something cool about that season of just being simple during that time. And uh, I don't know about you, but I hope that you have some, some good memories from Christmas. I know that Christmas season, this time of year, it can bring out a lot of different emotions, can it? It can bring out a lot of different thoughts and feelings. For many of us, we love this time of year and we're so excited. And if we're honest, there's others of us that, that we feel like this season can be a little bit stressful. We feel the busyness of the season maybe, or maybe even this year in particular, there's extra stress or there's extra worry or there's extra anxiety or we've lost somebody. And so this season, it brings up a lot of those different feelings. And I'm not exactly sure what type of emotions come to you when you hear of this season. But our desire this year is to help point and center us to what Christmas truly really is all about. So this simple Christmas this series. It's not necessarily meant to reclaim kind of the magic of Christmas. It's meant to point us to the majesty of Jesus and how wonderful and how amazing he is that he would come from heaven to earth to walk on earth. We're following the Advent calendar as we talked about. And uh, that, that word Advent, it, it talks about this arrival and this anticipation. And we thought there's nothing simpler than going back to a tradition that followers of Jesus have been worshiping through uh, that for, for many hundreds of years. In fact, the, the tradition of Advent, as far as we know, started about the year 400 
Okay, so think about this. For about 1,600 years, before there was electricity, before there was indoor plumbing and bikes and cars and all of the things that we have now, followers of Jesus would reflect during this season through this idea of Advent. And there are different themes that we focus on each service. And the first theme of Advent is this idea of hope. This idea of hope. And I think if there's ever a year for us to think about hope, it would be 2020. You know, hope is an interesting word, isn't it? Because we use that word hope in a lot of different contexts in a lot of different ways. Maybe if you're a, a student that's joining us from home or here with us, you, you came to college and you say something like, I hope that I make new friends or I hope that I have some amazing experiences. Or maybe if you're a kid or just a big kid, uh, like many of us, is going into Christmas, you say, I hope I get what I want. I hope I get that present on Christmas morning. I can't wait for it. We use the word hope to say oh, that we hope for our sports team to win. I hope for the Browns to win. And it's amazing that's actually possible this year. My Cleveland friends get to celebrate with me. We use that word hope in so many different ways. Uh, but we need to talk a little bit about what biblical hope is today. Because there's, there's a difference between real hope and this word hope that our, our world and our culture has oftentimes adapted. See, real hope from a biblical perspective, real hope is theological, not psychological. And what I mean by that is real hope is based in the theology and the belief of what God has done for us. And it's not just an emotion. It's not just telling yourself that life is going to be good in spite of the reality that it might not be. Uh, hope isn't just like little orphan Annie, you know, saying the sun will come out tomorrow, even when we know sometimes the sun doesn't come out tomorrow. Hope isn't just optimism. It's not just blind optimism, telling yourself everything's going to be fine. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with optimism. I, I like to consider myself an optimist, you know. Optimism is great. It's certainly better than pessimism, but, but optimism won't change the world. Optimism, blind optimism, isn't what real hope is all about. So what exactly did we mean when we talk about biblical hope? What do we mean when we talk about real hope? Well, the Greek word for hope is this word elpis, and it's rem rendered this idea of a confident expectation, a confident expectation of something that we know is true. Not wishful thinking, not an emotion that we, conjure, that we conjure up, but a confident expectation of the realities of what God has promised for us. And so biblical hope is rooted not in us, but biblical hope is rooted in God and what we know to be true about his character. And it's rooted in the reality that God's promises are assured to those of us who love him and know him. Biblical hope is rooted in confidence, not doubt. And so here's the big idea today that we're going to just spend a little bit of time talking about together. It's that Christmas points us to the hope that we can have in Christ. The simplicity of Christmas is that it points us when we actually stop and wrestle with what it's really about. It points us to the hope that we can have in Jesus. Again, not just a, a feeling, but a truth that we know about him from what God has promised us through his word. So I want to look at just three ways that Christmas gives us real hope. And the first one is this, that the hope of Christmas, it changes our perspective. The hope of Christmas changes our perspective. I want to read just a little bit of the Christmas story to you. It's out of Luke chapter 2, and uh, that is one of the most famous uh, verses about scripture, one of the most famous foretellings of, of, of Christmas. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, 
It says this. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. See, the perspective changed on that very first Christmas. You might have heard this before, but that first Christmas, this Advent that, that, that believers in Yahweh, God, were waiting for, the coming Messiah, they had a certain picture in their mind of what it was going to look like. They had a perspective which they would have been viewing the Savior to come through, and yet the Christmas story is nothing like what they were expecting. They certainly wouldn't have been expecting a baby to be born to an unwed mother, Mary, maybe even a teenage mother. That's not how they thought the, the Savior of the world would have entered the world. They certainly wouldn't have thought that he would come and, and be born in a manger, in a barn, and laid in a, a feeding trough. Uh, they certainly wouldn't have thought that he'd come through this little podunk town of Bethlehem that oftentimes people would say, can anything good come out of Bethlehem? Uh, they wouldn't have thought that he'd be worshipped by shepherds. We talked about this before, but for us nowadays, we have the, you know, we have the nativity scenes and we have our, our cool little pictures of the shepherds and the, of, of the wise men. And so for us, shepherds are, are like, yeah, they're just part of the Christmas story. But that first Christmas, shepherds were somebody that people actually looked down on oftentimes. Their profession was one of the lowest in that area. And so people would often judge them or make fun of them. They, they were not people that were desired to be around. And yet the king of the world shows up in these humble circumstances, completely surprising the people during that time and changing the perspective that many had. See, the hope of Christmas, it, it not only gives us the ability to look back on that very first Christmas and say, wow, isn't it amazing that our God, the Savior of the world, entered into our world in such a humble way? Now we love worshiping Jesus through that, but there's something much different that it actually allows us now to not just look back on that season with a different perspective, but to actually look at all of life through the eyes of the gospel with a very different perspective. Hope helps us to live in the world that we're in right now and see it through different eyes than the rest of the world does because we know that God is in charge and we know that God is in control. Dr. Tony Evans, he says this. He says, we have lasting hope through the salvation we have in Christ. Hope means that even when it looks like it's all over, it's not all over yet. That's why the Bible says we can rejoice even in our tribulations. God is working in our hard times to produce proven character and hope in us. See, for those of us who know Christ, we know that God loves us and has a plan and is working even in the times that seem extremely hard and challenging. 
You know, I have uh, three kids. I talk about them fairly often. I actually heard this week uh, that, uh, that, that the only reason that pastors have kids is so that they have sermon illustrations. And I thought that actually kind of resembles me a little bit. And that's not true, but it is the reason why we keep them around, you know, because we like, the, uh, we like all the illustrations. But I, I was talking with one of my kids not too long ago, and I was asking about their school experience. And, and I said, hey, I'm just curious, you know, what was your favorite year in school? What's the, the, the favorite year that you, you've ever had in school? And my kids said something that, that was profound. I don't know where they meant it to be or not. But they said, when you asked what was your favorite, do you mean what year did I have the most fun or what year did I learn the most? And he's saying, hey, I, I want, what perspective are you asking the question from? What year did I have the most fun or what year did I learn the most from? And I thought, man, that's pretty fascinating, isn't it? That's pretty profound, isn't it? Because uh, our kids realize that just because you're having a lot of fun doesn't necessarily mean you're growing and maturing all the time. Sometimes those things overlap, but oftentimes in the trials, in the hard times, that's where we're actually being stretched and learning and growing. And as followers of Christ, that's the hope that we have. We have a God that is working for our good in all things. Whether things are hard or whether things are going great, we know that God is using them to mature us and to grow us. You know, we talk about Romans 8. We went through this series. If you didn't get a chance to be with us, you can look back on our YouTube channel and see uh, these eight different sermons that we did throughout Romans chapter 8. But Romans 8, 28, one of the most famous verses in all of Scripture, says that God works everything for the good of those who love Him. And that is the hope that we have in Christ to know that in the midst of uncertainties and trials and hardship, that we serve a God who loves us, and that gives us hope because we know that he's in control. And so a question for us to ponder here today is what defines your life? Are you a person that is defined by hope? Are you somebody that when people think of you or when people are around you, you say that person is a person that is hopeful. That person is a person who can see circumstances that don't always look that great on the outside, but they have something deep inside them that isn't just based in emotion, but based in something that they know in the core of who they are that says they have hope in the circumstances that they find themselves in. Are you hopeful? Are you hopeless? Listen, for those of us who know Christ, our challenge is to continually point towards and look towards Jesus who ultimately gives us hope in each and every circumstance. See, the hope of Christmas changes our perspective. Second thing I, I want to share about hope is this. The hope of Christmas is eternal. The hope of Christmas is eternal. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul's writing to his young apprentice, Timothy, and he says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world. Christmas, right? Jesus coming into the world. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. The hope of Christmas is eternal. 
Paul says here that we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And, and Christmas, in a theological sense, is the celebration of God putting on flesh, leaving heaven and coming to earth. We believe that God exists as the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So God the Son left heaven and came into earth and put on flesh. That's what that word incarnation means. It's a theological word, but, but carnate meaning flesh in to put on. So Jesus, who is God, left heaven and put on flesh to walk on this earth with you and I. And that's what Christmas celebrates. And he did it because he knew that each and every one of us needed a savior. You see, for us to have eternal hope, we have to wrestle with the truth of who we really are. And if we're honest, we admit that each and every one of us is broken. Each and every one of us has sin deep in our hearts. It's, it's part of who we are. It's the way that we were born. And so we need somebody to save us from those sins, from that sin that exists within us. And that's why Jesus came. He left heaven, came to earth, and he's the only one who didn't ever sin. He walked on this earth without ever committing a sin, without ever doing anything wrong, and yet he was crucified for that perfect life that he lived. He went to the, the cross for you and for me, and he died, yet he rose again, defeating death. And so the beauty of the gospel says that we, when we admit and confess our sins, can turn our sins over to Jesus, the only one who is perfect, and he takes our sins onto his shoulders and forgives us. See, we can't forgive ourselves. Not, not in the level that God can. We can't work our way back to God and, and try to outdo all of our bad deeds by doing enough good deeds to, to move closer to God. We need completely washed clean by somebody who is perfect, and that somebody is Jesus Christ, who left heaven and came to earth for you and for me. And we each have a decision to make. Do we try to redeem ourselves? which is impossible, or do we look to Jesus, the God who put on flesh, to forgive us for our sins? When we say yes to him, we turn our brokenness over to him, and we get to walk in the fullness of life that he lived without ever committing a sin. I think this year, more than ever, people probably felt a little bit isolated. I think this year, more than ever, people have felt pretty lonely. There have been seasons where some of us, and I know from talking with folks, that we've felt maybe even a little bit hopeless. And when you're in those seasons where you're struggling and where you're wrestling with some of those, those feelings that you have, you want somebody who can relate to you to talk to, right? If you've ever been in a hard season in life, and maybe you're in one of those hard seasons right now, you want somebody who can empathize with you, who's been there before. That's what Christmas is about celebrating. We serve a God who didn't just stay far off in heaven, who came near to us and actually walked on earth so he can empathize with us because he's walked in our shoes. He's been here. He's put on flesh. And he knows us and he draws near to us. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Word, talking about Jesus. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus came not to bring judgment on those who believe in him, but he came to extend grace. 
And that is the hope that we have as followers of Christ. Our God left heaven and came to earth so that he could be near to us, so that he could walk among us and experience the things that we experience. So we don't serve a God who's far off. That's something that's different about Christianity. We serve a God who's walked in our shoes and who knows everything that we experience. The hope of Christmas, it's eternal. When we say yes to God, we can have confidence that we live in eternity with him. And the third and final thing is this. The hope of Christmas is meant to be shared. The hope of Christmas is meant to be shared. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Peter tells us this. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And he says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for the reason for your hope. Peter says, listen, as we live in this world, there will be plenty of opportunities to complain. There'll be plenty of opportunities to, to look at all the circumstances in life and, and want to jump in on, on all the negative things that are going on. But Peter says, no, listen, we, we have to be different than that. Always be prepared. Like always, not just in the good times. Always means always be prepared to give a reason, an answer for the hope that you have. And that hope is Jesus. Have you noticed in life that when something good happens to you, the natural response is to want to tell other people about it? Uh, it happened to me this morning, you know, like we had a great basketball tournament last week and I walk in, I, I want to tell people about it. I want to just start talking about it. Maybe you went out to dinner sometime and you got surprised, you got blown away by this amazing meal that was made for you. What do you do? You can't keep that to yourself. You got to tell people about it. Wow, I went to this place and this meal was so good. Or if you're a kid and you get that gift that you've really been wanting, as soon as grandma or grandpa call, what are you going to do? You're not going to believe it. I got what I asked for. When something good happens to us, our natural instinct is to want to tell others about it. And how much more so should that be true about the gospel? It's the greatest news that ever existed. It's way greater than any temporary thing that we experience here in this world. It's eternal. And so the hope of Christmas is meant to be shared with others. See, Jesus loves us so much that he left heaven and came to earth to know us and to die for our sins. And this world right now is looking and searching for something to hope in. Some are hopeless. And if that's where you find yourself here today, our prayer for you is that you would hear this message about Jesus and that you would realize that you can have hope. Others have hope in things that are not going to pan out in the long term. Others have hope, but it's, it's false hope because it's not based on the reality and, and the eternal truth of who Jesus is. And we need to always be prepared to give an answer for who Jesus is. And we need to be ready and willing to share about the real hope that we have in Christ. It's not wishful thinking. It's not an emotion. It's not based on our circumstances. It's based in the truth, the eternal truth of the gospel, that Jesus loves us, that he came to earth and that he died for you and for me. In 1 Peter 
chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. You see, Jesus came and lived on this earth. Our God is a living God. It's not something we just look back on that happened once and is over with. Jesus is alive to this day. He came to this earth and he lived among us and he rose from the grave. And so he is alive and working and active in our church, in our lives, in the hearts of those who believe. And so the hope that we have is alive and well. It's an active hope that's continuing to look at life and look for the ways to point other people towards Jesus. And so our prayer this Christmas season is you would just keep that hope to yourself. That you would look at the power of the gospel and you would say, where can I share it? How can I give it away? How can I be a person who lives in the reality of the hope that I have in Jesus? So let me pray that prayer for us and then let's spend some time worshiping God for who he truly is. God, we thank you for the reality that our hope is in you. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to hope in ourselves. I thank you that we don't have to hope in our circumstance. God, it's so good to just be able to hope in you because it's the only thing that's lasting and real. So Lord, would you allow us to be a church, to be a people who rest in your hope, who have your hope on the tip of our tongue, ready to show your hope with our actions, ready to tell of others of the hope with our words. Lord, you're, you're so good to us. And as we think about Christmas and the beauty that comes from just the simplicity of the gospel, would that be all that we need this year? You and you alone. Will we be reminded of the depths of your love for us? Will we be transformed by your love? Would our perspective in how we face this world and the trials and the joys that come our way, would it be changed? And will we be a people of hope? How we thank you that you've given us that ability, that you paved the way for us. And Lord, we pray that we would partner with you in experiencing what real hope is. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.